Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noel. I'm Corey. Um, and super off topic, mm-hmm. do you you like the Killers, right? Of course. Do you remember the song Spaceman? It was off yes. of Day and Age. Yes. I listened to that song today, and it, like I remember first hearing it in high school, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yo, this song bangs." <laughs> and I listened to it again today, and I was like, you know, it's got like the fun little, uh, the fun little like chorus and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I watched the music video one time. Always dangerous. Super weird. <laughs> it's like well, it's, it's the killers. like I mean, it is the killers. What can I expect? Yeah. Um, but it's like it, it's like it goes through like this house party and there's like different levels and it just doesn't stop and it's not really focused oh. on anything. It's just going through this house party. At least I okay. At least I think that was the music video. This has nothing to do with sports at all. No, but like, I, one of my favorite topics is talking about how our music tastes have changed over, like how my music tastes have changed over the years, just like generally and like what stayed. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a fun topic of conversation. I have learned I've gotten very seasonal. Like, it changes with these seasons? Yes, I didn't used to be that way. But now I am very much. Like, uh, the... uh, I don't want to say the fall. Uh, I'll say the winter is very, like, the heavy metal, like, post-hardcore, metalcore, like, Mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why. Probably because it's, like, sad. Seasonal depression. (laughs) All that stuff. Um, The... maybe it's just maybe it's just half and half because like because mm. like i feel like that's that's very like fall win- winter and then spring summer is like the quinn 92s the mm-hmm. i guess like the the more indie pop like yeah. very, there's like levels of indie pop too like there's like the indie pop bands that you just call indie pop because they don't have like a certain category Mm-hmm. And then there's like, oh yeah, that's indie pop for sure. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, what's what's the band I'm thinking of? Uh, shoot, I can't I can't think of it right now. And I can't yes, read I... your mind, so actually, no, I can I can think of it. Uh, gonna be useless. No, we can get there. We can get there. <laughs> yeah, I just remember because like, I my parents are a lot older than most parents. Um, they just. Had, had me and my brother late uh and so i grew up listening to all of anything classic rock i grew up listening to jethro tull sure um a lot of jazz so much jazz oh my gosh the amount of jazz um and then my mom's favorite cd was an Amer- uh, america's greatest hits and i mean america the band not america the country um and so, like, Ventura Highway is, like, deep-seated into my DNA. Um, and I think that's where most of, like, my propensity towards, like, rock has come from. Because that's sure. really the only thing that's, like, stayed steady through my entire life. Is, like, when I was in high school, uh, I loved um, more rocky ba- I couldn't even name you a band right now. Oh, like, The Fray and The Script. Like, I was very into them. And, like, um, as we all were in 2007. Of course. Um, <laughs> uh, and now it's it's more towards, like, the folk rock, soft rock, 
situation with like Twenty One Pilots and pop punk thrown in. Um, you're wait, you're 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 putting Twenty One Pilots as folk rock? No, no, no. I said with that okay. thrown in. Oh, no, I was gonna, no, no, no. I was going to say no, 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 Noel. No, 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 no. We are no. canceling this pod. <laughs> we are canceling this pod. We are having a discussion. No, I don't know how to categorize them, other than like they're the alternative. Most... Well, yeah, but that's what is alternative. Can you define that for me? You can't. That's what exactly. Anyways, we don't need to. We're we're a sports podcast, not a music podcast. But that was. Did you find your? Did you find your band? Hippocampus. Oh, okay. But the what's the song? Uh, Buttercup. It, uh, I'm not really familiar with their discography. Okay. I've just seen them float around every once in a while. Sure, you'll have to you'll have to listen to it. Uh, okay. But it's like it's got like this like like almost skeet bop like intro. <laughs> Perfect. Like stuff like that. Chris would love uh, it. And but it's not like scat. It's not like that. But that's just what it sounds like. <laughs> sure. um, but they have like a. Like they like they play the bridge later on in the song, and it it kind of is like heavy almost. Mm. Like the drums get kicked in, and I'm like, that's the kind of like indie pop that I love. It's like it's, yeah. it's definitely indie pop, but then there's like, oh, this kind of this kind of bangs a yeah. little bit. It's a little uh, bit more hardcore than I, I, that's regular not indie the, pop. That's not what I would use to describe. It's really hard. Like you just have to listen to the song. You'll get to the yeah. part, and it'll be like, okay. "Oh, like I can see that." So okay. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm getting into that seasonal like change now. Like where like those songs are like in the heavy rotation. And do you I've have got... like transitional ba- transitional songs and or bands that go like kind of seamlessly move you in from one to the other, or is it like a stark change? Like on what is this April twenty second when spring starts? I don't know. I feel like rap is my like transition <laughs> it's like like rap will, like Which just is like not like either of them no it's just weird... like oh i'm gonna listen to kanye for like a a week straight <laughs> a week. and okay and then ah boom i'm in here but there's these two songs that have been in heavy rotation for me since like december mm-hmm. by like two and i need to look at their other discography because there's a song called falling back by vacation manor which i think I started listening to in November and was like my song of the year. It's going to be my song of the year this year. And it was released in like 2018. So like, we're not going to talk about it. Uh, so <laughs> falling back by vacation manor off okay. of girl say, and then sanity for summer by city mouth. Okay. Uh, and it's, and the album's called coping machine, uh, two, like they're the indie alternative, but two very different like sounds. So yeah, I do love my indie alternative. You'll have to yes. send me those later. I will I look will. them up. I will definitely. But as you said, and you were ringing me in, we are a sports podcast. We are a sports podcast. But you get your music recommendations for free. So there you go, everyone. If you're listening on Spotify, you might as well listen to some music, some good music. No, don't turn us off to go turn other music on. Well, after you're done. Yes, put it in your queue. You can't listen to us all day long. You could. You could if you were kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't want to listen to us all day. It's a lot of yelling lots of yelling last episode guys we we spent 20 minutes afterwards yelling so much after yelling. we finished oh it was so annoying but and chris the only reason chris isn't here is because we wouldn't let him call in from tennessee where he is doing his redo honeymoon with his wife stupid <laughs> stupid who does because a redo be... honeymoon i'm just kidding they had covid they couldn't have fun i know but Sad. we're happy for them. They're having a good time. 
Chris uh, is not allowed to buy a hat, apparently. He looks good in that hat. He does look good in the hat. It's also $100, and he would only wear it three times. Hat stays on all times. It's not the conversation we're having right now. No, we're not having that conversation. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. All right. right. Tigers, the the folks that are still playing. Oh, man. They're in the beginning of their season. So, like, I feel like at the birth of this podcast, we were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, like, take the week's, like, worth of games that we watch. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to, like, give, like, a deep analysis. So, like, I kind of like this. Um, But... There hasn't really been a whole lot to deeply analyze because, well, A, what? We're in two series right now, right? Mm-hmm. So they finished up the series against the Red Sox, which essentially they just they blew a game yeah. that they should not have lost. And then they, yep. they got pounded uh, in another. So, like, pretty, I guess, similar to the, the opening series against the White Sox. So, um that happened, and then they went to Kansas City, and they won their first two games, uh, and I think it was the Saturday game. They had an opportunity to win. Um, they just couldn't. They, they just didn't have the offense. They didn't have the bats. But the real story for this past week, I would say, has been injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. Javier Baez was, like, scratched three or four times um, and then was eventually put on the disabled list. Casey Mize had a Tommy John scare. Um, no ligament damage, so he's going to just be on the shelf for a little bit. Um, there's another pitcher, too, I think. Uh, Matt Manning uh, left to start early on Saturday against the Royals uh, for shoulder discomfort. So, I mean, whenever you hear that, you're a little bit concerned. Um, and then we haven't seen Andrew Chafin. Um, we haven't seen Kyle Funkhauser, who are both injured uh, since the you know the middle of spring training. Um and you are just and Robbie Grossman missed a couple of games as well, um, so lots of unfortunate injuries that we have here. Um, and honestly, that's kind of been the story. Um, derailed some pretty good momentum, and we're just clawing and scraping on by against some pretty quality teams. I mean, what they played the White Sox, the Red Sox, and the Yankees, and the Royals. Three of their first four series were against or are against uh, playoff teams from the year previous. Um, And yet they're still around 500. I think if you were any fan from last year, you were to say, hey, we're going to face three of of four playoff teams in our first four series. uh, And you're going to be around 500 with a ton of injuries. I think we'd be pretty happy about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's the good-ish news. Uh, Austin Meadows has been... he just He's like last year's Robbie Grossman because he just walks like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, he has two walks tonight, too. Um, and Cabrera has actually been pretty solid as well. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just climbing up, uh, you know, those, those few rankings. Uh, I think I saw a stat, too, um, that he would be one of three players so he needs like a couple more doubles or maybe it's just one more double to get 600 doubles for his career 2,000 hits or 3,000 hits he's four away from that now and he's already has the 500 home runs he's gonna be 
one of three players to do that in Major League history. Can you name the other two? No. Just guess. I don't know. I truly, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to name them. Okay. Well, it's Hank Aaron and Albert okay. Pujols. Yeah, would not have gotten either one of those. Well, regardless, those are two of the greatest players that Major League Baseball has ever seen, and Cabrera is right there. Not that we didn't know that already, but right. still, like, I think in the midst of his aging seasons, we truly do forget how incredible of a player Miguel. I mean, he, and I say only because it seemed like every time he came up to the plate when the Tigers were, you know, good in this mid-2010s, he was going to hit a double. Mm-hmm. He was going to hit a home run. He was going to drive the runner in. A stat like that shows you how often he actually <laughs> did that, which yeah. is absolutely crazy to me. Um, so that's cool. He's creeping up, and he's been one of the bright spots. Um, I've been pretty disappointed with Eduardo Rodriguez. He hasn't gone very deep into games. Um, and I guess we're transitioning to the bad part of of the Tigers. Um He's got a 5.87 ERA in two starts. Um, hasn't looked super sharp. Um, honestly, Casey Mize hasn't really looked very good, and I guess that was because he was hurt and injured. Not a whole lot of swings and misses, which is a little bit concerning. And honestly, I think we talked about two like a long time ago about his mechanics. So he's mm-hmm. he's a little flowy, not or not flowy, but like kind of whips his arm around and. It's not, I don't want to say Justin Verlander because that's not a fair comparison at all, but it's like, it's not like a powerful, like through the throwing motion. It kind of, he kind of like flings it. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, instead of like throwing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's concerning. Pedro Martinez talked about that on MLB Network saying like, this could lead to elbow issues and we're beginning to see some of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so fingers crossed. Hopefully it's just due to whatever fatigue or rushed uh, spring training, which honestly has been a huge reason why a lot of teams are facing injuries because they had to ramp up the season. And I know we had talked about this and I was wrong. I thought they were going to have a full spring training and then cut down on the regular season games. Um, mm-hmm. But they did they did the opposite, which on on paper makes a whole lot of sense, right. um, but leads to all these crazy injuries that we're seeing at the beginning of the year. Um, so take that as you will. Um, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I, I will I will say I will say this: What's been the best part of the Tigers? Like consistently, the best part of the Tigers season thus far. Um, I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of games. I think I've watched three, so sure, I'm not going to be helpful. It's been the bullpen. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's crazy to think I'm watching this game right now. So uh, we gave up Tigers in in this particular game right now. The Yankees Yankees Tigers first game of the series. Uh, Tyler Alexander, I don't even think finished the first inning. He he might have. I don't remember. I was at I was at our baseball game, um, but in the first two innings they gave up three runs, and since then it's the top of the ninth. There has been no runs given up. Mm-hmm. It's been strictly a bullpen day, 
and this is not just like one particular outing. This has been consistently throughout um, this early part of the season. They've for sure been pulling their weight. They've absolutely been pulling their weight. They've been called upon and they've essentially shut the door. And it's not even got, it's not, it's guys that we haven't even heard of before. Mm-hmm. Alex Lang, um, Joe Jimenez has looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Gregory Soto has looked good in limited time. Uh, who else? Uh, Willie Peralta came up last year. He was a, a great spot starter. He's, he, he pitched well tonight. Um, it's all of these guys that you wouldn't, or you would not expect. And even some guys I can't even name you right now. And the bullpen is still shorthanded. So <laughs> who are these guys that you're going to send down a, when they come up or when Funkhauser and Chafin come up, uh, and B, I guess, how long is that sustainable? Um, mm-hmm. but Chris Fetter has done a great job. Um, and the bullpen has been really strong, but again, another point. This team will go as far as the bullpen, or not the bullpen, the starting rotation will take them. I saw a stat today that the Tigers are in the top third of the league in hard hit balls. Um, they are not striking out as, as much as other teams. So you'd have to think those things are going to you know eventually fall for them. Um, and they're hurt. Too. They don't have their best shortstop playing right now. Javier Baez is out. Heimer Candelario has looked really bad. Like, really bad offensively. Um, but yet, they still have these good advanced offensive metrics. So, if I had to sum it up the first two weeks of the season, toss-up. There's been some yeah. good things. There's been some bad things. Um, but, I mean, they've gotten, blo- they've gotten blown out in a couple of games. But, I mean, they're playing the Yankees right now, and they're down by a run. Joe Jimenez just struck out Aaron Judge. In what planet does that happen? <laughs> I, not many. I, I, not many. And they've played some really good teams. So, I, I <laughs> toss-up. I, I I, you know, more to come. Uh, they'll start playing, you know, I guess some teams who aren't as competitive, and then I would assume they'll rack up a few wins, and then hopefully you get some arms healthy and mm-hmm. Scooball can finally figure it out. I, I, I mean, I just don't know. It's, it, it's. I think another part of that shortened um, spring training is that they didn't have as much time to get the chemistry, especially on. Um, like in outfield to like to figure out who's calling off who like we've seen a decent amount of errors at least I watched (laughs) that one where four of them were standing and it dropped in the middle of them sure and you're just like this is a professional league not t-ball that's not how that should happen yeah um so like I can imagine that having the shortened spring training has affected some of those like my, like minor chemistry things that have affected like errors. I'm thinking of specifically, obviously that's not on offense at all. Like that's every sure. player's individual ish. Um, but I, two weeks is a small sample size, right? Like we got however many weeks left a lot. Yeah. Um, so 
we'll see. I mean, it's a holding pattern at the moment, right, in terms of, like, stress. <laughs> yeah. To your point, uh, Torkelson hasn't really fielded all that great at first base. Um, I think yeah. he's dropped. He might have dropped three pop-ups. Uh, that was the first weekend, but I think he dropped one tonight as well. And so I guess that goes with learning your defense as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then also you have to imagine or you have to put into the mix – uh, Austin Meadows showed up like three days before the season started. Yeah. So you'd have to, I guess, play into effect of how that goes. And he's, I kid you, they pro- Tigers probably would have two wins if not for Austin Meadows. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not no, exaggerating. No, I know you're not. Um, he's been great defensively. He's been getting on yeah. base. He's done exactly what you wanted to. And we essentially got him for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and three years of control. That deal... I don't even know what I'd be trying to say. That deal is going to be vastly important to this quote-unquote rebuild, but I think we're out of the rebuild now. We're going to be playing some competitive baseball. Um, That's going to be a benchmark move. It felt like a benchmark move. It felt like a huge splash when the Tigers made that deal. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. There's really not much else to say it, it it just as a fan when you see all these injuries piling up on each other you're it, i mean it almost kills momentum for you it kills your excitement cuz it's like yeah it's not that you're going to lose those games but it's you're not seeing the team at the fullest potential either so 2 weeks into the season right that's right. a mood killer like if this was happening 4 months from now we'd be like yeah it's 4 months from now but it's yeah. 2 weeks in the absolute high of opening day and then you just i don't want to say i guess you stumble a little bit out of the gate and then all of these injuries now play a role in guys starting off slow and whatever yeah. all of these things um, yeah so toss up uh momentum killer buzz kill all a few words but it's not indicative of the Tigers play. It's just indicative of the circumstance, which is a different conversation than we've had in years past. I would agree. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's what I got for them. And mm-hmm. We're getting into a bit of a jam right now, but um, Giancarlo State neither is going to hit a 580 foot, home run or he's going to hit and do a double play those are the those are the things that he's going to do Um, the two options two options right there you had some stuff on Thibodeau for the Lions that you wanted to talk about yes um so Chris talked about last week how reports said and I guess this was I gotta give credit to Chris because this was breaking news I suppose um and now like throughout this week all I have seen is like, oh, reports out of the Lions camp that they don't think Thibodeau's a culture fit, um, which goes in line with what Chris was saying. You know, him, you know, piecing out of the Pro Bowl, or not the Pro Bowl, uh, the Combine earlier. Um, and just from things that, I don't know, I've heard about him, um, I don't want to say he's not a team player. I don't want to say he's dumb because he's not, he's not not those things. Maybe it's just a question of like the grit, toughness that everyone you know associates Campbell and the city of Detroit with. 
Maybe they had an interview and they didn't like his tenacity. I don't know what goes into those things. Um, good Lord. Uh, bloop. Bloop single right down the line that just scores two. That's the absolute worst. Um, but, uh, hey, I mean, if he doesn't fit your culture, he doesn't fit your culture. So why, why would you take a, why would you take a, you know, the number two overall pick on him? So, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of gone with who the, who the lions are bringing in, um, to the facilities. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson was here this week, or I think Tuesday, um, or today's Tuesday. So it was Monday. Uh, Malik Willis is coming into the facility soon. And then Kenny Pickett, I believe, was uh, on Sunday. No, Sunday was Easter. But he's going to be coming in, or he's already been in um, thus far. Um, so we got three guys, one of which is an, is a defensive end, ed, edge pass rusher. The others, The other two are quarterbacks. So, and we we talked about last week how we've heard all these reports of like Campbell saying, "Oh, you don't need an elite quarterback to win games or go to the playoffs." Yet we're bringing in two quarterbacks to the facility. So I don't do know think, what. Do you think Campbell, as a man who just got out of his first year is making all of those decisions in regards to like, obviously he's in charge of roster and figuring all that out. But I mean, do you think that he said that and is now being told by offensive coordinators and other folks who have been in the system a little bit longer? Like, Hey, hold on. (laughs) Let's think about this. Let's talk about it. Um, that's a very good point. Uh, I think, I think maybe, um, I, I think words, words are hard. Um, I think, I think it's good that he's listening to the people around him um, to an extent, because at some point you have to make a decision, but I mm-hmm. think it's a, I think it's a very collaborative process in the Detroit Lions uh, draft making decisions, which is mm-hmm. good. I like that. Um, and especially from a guy like Campbell, who, I mean, even himself said, like, I don't have all the answers, so I'm going to surround myself with some, you know, pretty good people. Um, to then which he's like, he took charge at some point last year. He ended up calling plays for the offense, taking away all of the play calling abilities from Anthony Lynn, which I thought was a bad move. But, hey, I guess by the end of the year it worked out. Um, so worked out I like the objective, but yes. They played better at the end of the year, did they not? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I guess the games didn't matter, but still. Um, to the, the thing we discussed last week, to throw teams off or to create a buzz around that second pick, them publicly bringing in Hutchinson. Okay, they want Hutchinson. Them publicly saying they don't want Thibodeau. Um, them publicly – or. Campbell saying, you know, you don't need a, an elite quarterback um, to win in this league, yet bringing in the two top quarterbacks in the draft to their facility, uh, I guess, is keeping everybody guessing mm-hmm. and creating some mystery to that number two pick. 
again, it's all about how much value and how much uncertainty you can create around that pick. Because for the most part, people are going to know who's going number one. I am still in the boat that um, Hutchinson's going to go number one. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before a lot. I've been wrong on this podcast a ton. And I'm consistently wrong about football. Um, However, if you didn't think or if you thought that Hutchinson wasn't going to be available, I don't think you would bring him in to your facility. So maybe there's something that the Lions know about the number one overall pick. Or hoping. Or hoping. And then also they signed a safety from Baltimore as well. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's going to start alongside uh, Tracy Walker um, for your for your two defensive backs uh, in free safety and strong safety. So does that rule out Kyle Hamilton? Or do you do Kyle Hamilton as some sort of nickel corner? Or I don't think you'd put him in complete coverage. Um, all of this is to create intrigue to then maybe get more draft capital. Maybe if you really did want Malik Willis, you could trade down um, a couple more spots and get another first-round pick in return and then maybe a second round. I don't know. But I think that the fans have no clue what who the Lions are going to take. I don't think is a bad thing. Because... I think you can be smart if people don't know what you're going to do and you can create yeah. a lot more value with that pick. That was a very roundabout and long explanation of that. Um, but this is just, these are just the facts. After saying we don't like Thibodeau, we don't think we need an elite quarterback, we brought in arguably the best edge rusher and then two of the top quarterbacks in the draft class. So those statements don't exactly add up. But I think it's good that they don't add up because it keeps teams guessing. So that's the summary of, I guess, what I just said. So, <laughs> I, um, you nailed it. It's 1030 at night. We're both tired. Well, I'm It is tired. 1030 at night. I don't know how you're doing. Uh, oh, I'll be fine. It is 1030 at night, but I still think um, that's good. And now I guess my what I would want for the Lions to take uh, has changed a bit. I want Hutchinson 100%. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. culture fit, scheme fit, um, and he is the biggest need that we need on the defense. And then that will free up some free up some time, uh, like Chris was talking about last week, like I was talking about the week before, for the cornerbacks who honestly are not that bad. And we had a pretty solid corner uh, in Amarie, uh this past season as well. So if you can give guys like that more time, maybe you could just create a pretty decent defense. I don't know. Um, so I think Ed Rusher, absolutely. All in? All in. I'll put my chips there. And I guess, I, I don't know. I, I'm i sure I'll be mad at some point with who they take. I'm sure oh, I'll be yeah, mad if they, if they trade down and trade some guy that we had no idea was on our radar. That's fine. And then we'll just be mad until the season and then maybe we'll be not pleasantly surprised, but um, 
satisfied. Tentatively okay. Well, tentatively okay, or like satisfied like we were with Penny Sewell. And Penny Sewell played yeah. great down so the stretch. Well. So I think he was the one player that none of us were like, why is he here? <laughs> sure. For at least one game. Yeah. And I think we were all in agree. And I think it was refreshing, or not refreshing, but it was encouraging to be like, the Lions were so bought into this guy because, like, after they got him, they were like, he was number one on our board. This is the guy that we wanted over everybody. Yeah, yeah. And I, hey, and it paid off for them. It did absolutely, it did. and it played into what was great about this team. I do not think that the Lions just having random dudes rush for a hundred yards this season was an accident. I think it has to deal with. <laughs> It has to deal with um, how they uh, retooled their offensive line. And Penny Sewell mm-hmm. was a part of that. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. Transitions. Uh, <laughs> yes, we're really good at these. Pistons, not playing still, but... <laughs> not playing. Uh, not playing. Updates. But Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. So Cade Cunningham, uh, it was the NBA season awards are coming out. Defensive Player of the Year was announced yesterday. Uh, Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, which was a surprise. A lot of people were a little bit shocked by that. Um, take that as you will. Do you will. know who the front runner for that was in most people's mind? You're well, right. Rudy Gobert, uh, who's the center for the uh, Utah Jazz, has won it. You know, the past few or. Multiple times in the past few seasons, I should say. Um, He was up there. Um, There's a couple other players that I guess um, I'm not really – I was not paying attention to the Defensive Player of the Year award, frankly. Um, But I was looking at – We really only had stock in one award. Right, which is what I want to talk about. Um, Rookie of the Year finalists were named Toronto Scotty Barnes, uh, Cleveland's Evan Mobley, and, of course, Detroit's. Cade Cunningham. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like Detroit Pistons Twitter is getting pretty pessimistic, saying that uh, Cade Cunningham is probably going to finish third for this award. Um, and uh, <laughs> behind two guys that were in the playoffs, quote unquote. Uh, so. Do you want me to read the Bet MGM odds? Yes, please. Please read there... the Bet MGM odds. They are up. Uh, Mobley is a, a minus 213. So he's the favorite. Yes. Barnes is at a plus 155. And Cunningham is at a plus 1,000. He's at a plus 1,000? Holy yeah. smokes. That jump between two and three is a lot. That is That's like al- almost 845 points. That is almost disrespectful. I would agree. <laughs> Like, how do we even talk about that? I don't. I don't understand. It, it's strict. I mean, it just comes down to Evan Mobley's on a playoff team, or he was on, a, or he was on a play-in team. Scotty Barnes is on a playoff team. They performed well on their teams. It, it's it, this is the this is the nature of the NBA. The MVP, all of these awards have to go to playoff teams. 
because the argument would be if if the if the MVP was not contingent on a playoff team, then it would go to LeBron James every year. Which honestly, I don't have a whole lot of quarrels with that argument. I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand it. Um, but can, historically, what teams usually have the best rookies? The ones who didn't win the last year and the, probably aren't doing great. The bad teams. Yeah. Yep. How do yep. you how do you get good young talent by being bad? Yep. <laughs> and 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 being you know picking high in your draft and picking the best possible prospects that you can pick. No knock to those two guys at all. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I mean that. they're doing good. They're, they're doing, doing well. Stellar. They're yeah. doing stellar. But look at their supporting cast. Yeah. Yep. Cleveland played great this year. They surprised a lot of people and they were a top what I think they were a top uh, eight team in the East, something like that. They played in the first playing game, so they were a top eight team in the East this year. To be a top eight team in the East, you have to have some talent. The Toronto Raptors were a top six team in the East this year. They have Pascal Siakam. They have Fred Van Fleet. I don't think the Pistons have outside of Cunningham, two players better than those guys, especially not Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Kevin Love coming off the bench for Cleveland would be a starter on Detroit. Mm-hmm. I don't care that he's old. I don't care about that. And if you look at the stats, I think I think Mobley is a... I, 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 before, before I say something crazy, I want to look at... I want to look at the stats uh, for Evan Mobley. Can you look up Scotty Barnes as well? I can do that, yes. Um, I want to look up Evan Mobley's stats. Um, So Evan Mobley this year averaged 15 points, 2.5 assists, and 8 rebounds. Okay? In 69 games played. Uh, Cade Cunningham in... 64 games played, averaged 17 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, and over five and a half assists. So your favorite right there, and you're counting stats. So Mobley plays Mobley plays center, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or excuse me, he plays power forward. But the four and the five are are so blurred in, in today's NBA. Cade Cunningham averaged almost three points more per game. He was, I mean, they play a completely different position. Cade Cunningham was running points. So yes, Mobley should have more rebounds. And Cade Cunningham had two more assists than him. Mm-hmm. Why, why is Mobley like, oh man, this is the dude. Like he's going to, over Cunningham. Who it's did this with... Team. With less, it's it's the winning team mentality. So yeah. an award that where you get talent is based off of being bad is awarded to the teams that are better. Why is that? 
Did you look up Scotty Barnes counting stats? I do have Scotty Barnes. Okay, games played seventy four. Okay, uh, so he's been he played the most out of he these played two the guys. most points fifteen point three. I also don't think that he got hurt, and I think the other two. I know that well. We know that Cade was hurt. Correct. Um. Okay, fifteen point three points. Uh, six point two field goals made, and his rebounds were at seven point five, with three point five assists average. So essentially, Cade Cunningham has outperformed both those guys. Correct. Yet he will finish third because he's on a worse team. Yes. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I just, I, I, frankly, I don't get it. I, I, you, you would think that being on a worse team and putting up those numbers would make you more likely to win because despite your surroundings, you're doing the work better right. than the guys who have the supporting cast. So, I, yeah. Uh, dumbfounded, confused, fancy words. Uh, I don't know. I just, I give it to the player most deserving. Because mm-hmm. it's, they do it the same way as the NHL where it's like reporters and people in the system vote, right? On rookie of the year. Something like that. Yeah. It's like, okay. it's like writers uh i would assume coaches i i don't think it's players i don't think it's player driven i feel like it should be because if anybody has a beat on the game it's got to be it's got to be the people who actually play the the guys who know yeah so it it, you know it's it's weird um but still like the the things that we were talking about kate cunningham doing this year like one of five players to put up this amount in this and it's like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Trey. The amount Young. of times that he was in the mix with those names was a lot. Yeah. Like almost every stat, at least one of those players was in the mix with him yeah. either breaking that record or being like number three, number five, whoever. Yeah. So. And then that, I, I think his magnum opus for this season was that game against uh the nets Mm -hmm. in brooklyn um Mm -hmm. where i think at the beginning of the fourth quarter he had 15 points he ended up finishing with like 31 Mm -hmm. scored scored what 16 points in a in a quarter yeah the, the man did not miss and got the respect of kevin durant who when he is playing at his best is maybe the best player in the league. Maybe. Yeah. So, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. He had to carry the load for this team outside of Sadiq Bay. who is really, who really, I mean, we talk about, oh, there's this young team. Isaiah Stewart is not Evan Mobley. I get that. I understand. Mm-hmm. Frank Jackson is not Scotty. He's not uh, Fred Van Fleet. They're complete. They've probably played not probably. They play different positions. Uh, Kelly Olynyk is not Pascal Siakam. No. Okay. No. So, like, yes, like you have to put up. You have to put up numbers as your only option. But again. If you're the only option, you're going to get double teamed. You're going to get – they're going to – teams are going to try 
to prevent you from beating them. And yet he's still outperforming these players on better teams. So, I don't know. We could sit here, talk for hours, but it's like, you know, banging our heads against a a brick wall. Nothing's really going to help. And, hey, if he loses the award, which we've made very clear he should not, if he loses the award, he's going to have the better career. Mm -hmm. All signs are pointing towards he will have the better career in the NBA. I mean, he only got better as more time passed. He only got more reliable as more time passed. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what a full NBA offseason and a full NBA preseason and a healthy start to a season can do for this kid next year? Skyrocket in terms of potential. Potential, development, all of those things that are needed. So, woof. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. I don't really know what to say other than that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that mentality, uh, do we want to just roll on into the dumpster fire that is the Detroit Red Wings, other than the anomaly that was today? Yeah. Because, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. All of those sounds. We're at the point of the season where... We would like to be playing spoiler, and we're just playing sad. Well, we can't even play spoiler because the entire East is freaking unreal. Every playoff team is going to have 100 points. Yeah, I guess we can't really play spoiler for playoff contention. We can just play spoiler for other teams' fan bases and sadness that they lost to the Red Wings. Like, it, they won against the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-3 to today. Which, which in, in itself is a miracle because they didn't have, <laughs> they didn't have Dylan Larkin. Dylan yep. Larkin is done for the year. Yep. Um, and I, I would love to see the stat of when the last time they won in Tampa Bay was in regulation because I would have to think, freaking, they probably did that when I was in high school. It's been a long time. Yeah. And it's, it's not like, while. it's not like Tampa Bay. I mean, Kucherov, Stamkos. What Colleton scored twice? Oh my gosh! <laughs> they just pull talent out of their rear end, um, and it's annoying. The Iserman difference. And the Iserman difference, man. Can you imagine if we just had one of those guys in the mix, a Kucherov, Stamkos, or a Braden Point? Oh mm-hmm. lordy! Mm-hmm. Somebody help me! Um, yeah, I, I just this Red Wing season has gotten uglier than I would have expected. Tonight was great. I love that. That was awesome. You got a, a bunch of your role players and your guys, like a, a Sunquist played well tonight. Um, Verana scored two goals and I can hear Chris screaming right now. And I he asked to, if he could call in he to scream to... about it. And we said no, as previously mentioned. And I want to make myself very clear. I want Jacob Vrana to succeed. And I enjoy when Jacob Vrana scores goals. We like As that. do I. Yes, that is, very that much is so. Good. And if Jacob Vrana continues to score at the rate that he is scoring at, it would, A, be the greatest. He would become the greatest goal scorer in NHL history. He would be like having a Stamkos or a point or somebody on our team. I think I saw – well, so in sad hockey news, do you, do you, does the name Mike Bossy – Ring a bell, Noel. 
vaguely. Okay, so Mike Bossy played for the Islanders in their dynasty um, seasons in the 70s. So he passed recently. Mm. Um, so that's sad. Um, but I think I did see a uh, I did see a stat that he has the highest goal scoring uh, like percentage in games played. So in 752 games played, he scored 573 goals. So I'm going to do the quick maths here. 573 divided by 752 equals... So he scored a goal in 76% of his games, if I did that correctly. I call that a good, a good rate. That's I then that that is the that is the NHL record for career. Yeah, I think. Um, then I did see that correctly. So Jacob Verana, let's look at it. And I want to look at it and do the quick math here. <laughs> and I'm sorry that there's all of this empty space. Uh, for our listeners, but hey, sometimes you just you just gotta do it. So in thirty-one games played, he scored eighteen goals. I hope that is up to date. Um, so he's at a he's at a fifty-eight. Percent. Is that just with the wings, or is that all time? That is just with the wings. Okay. He doesn't even have a hundred career goals yet, Jacob Rana. Yeah. Well, he hasn't been. He was, like, not playing in Washington. He was just not, nobody, he couldn't break through that lineup. Yeah, which is absolutely crazy to see. Wild, and considering Anthony Mantha's there. LOL. Oh, my gosh. Ha, ha, freaking losers. Um, <laughs> remember when he thought, when, remember when we, we thought he was going to be, like, the truth? Yes. Yes, I do. And then he wasn't. And then he was not. And he definitely was not. Um, besides the point. Uh, he is scoring in a historic clip, and he scored two mm-hmm. goals tonight, and he was a big reason why we scored it. And he did; they did this all without Dylan Larkin, so they proved something tonight. Yes, and maybe. I, side note: <laughs> Red Wings Twitter was blowing up last night because they were saying that Dylan Larkin isn't the answer at captain, and he's the reason that the Red Wings are struggling. Yeah. Holy cow. Not the folks that we love and trust on Red Wings Twitter. Most of them were very anti those people, but, you know, the, for lack of a better term, the Karens of the internet were all up in arms about Dylan being the reason we're failing this season. And, like, I I feel (laughs) like if that were the case, then I guess maybe I can't make this argument because why is Blashill still here? If that were the case... Eisenman would have done something with Larkin by now. Because it's one thing if it's a coach, I would say. But if this is like a cornerstone player. I mean, Larkin, Eisenman waited to give Larkin the C, which mm-hmm. we thought, oh, well, wow, this has been a long time since we like named our captain. So he gave mm-hmm. him the C. He obviously was pretty comfortable with that decision. And mm-hmm. now we have random armchair GMs on the internet saying that Larkin was the problem. Larkin was yeah. putting up a career season before he had surgery. Which, by the way, he had core muscle surgery today, mm-hmm. which 
we talked about core muscle surgery in the past. Justin Verlander had core muscle surgery and for a full season was not the same player. His ERA was maybe a run and a half higher. Like that stuff is, this is a serious recovery. Like you, right. you, like you're you down for the, the count. You're not wandering around after six weeks. Or you at least will have to, you will have to have, there will be a learning curve of how to get back. Um, so I'd have to imagine that playing before you have this surgery is difficult as well. Mm-hmm. A la uh, the captain that everybody on the internet idolizes who was playing basically with a broken everything yep. for a large period of, of runs uh, in, in the cup, for the cup. So I'm just confused. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I and you know, know, like we, we, you and I weren't alive during the like eighty nine, ninety, ninety one season, where where things were still bad, right? Things were still decidedly bad for the Red Wings. Um, kind of, kind of, honestly, kind of where we are now. They were like getting towards the being good area, but still not breaking through. And people were calling for Eiserman's head. So like. Well, they were calling for him to be traded too, and there was like I know. rumors of of trades that were happening, and would have been horrible trades. By the awful, way. awful. Uh, so maybe this is just the the cycle before history repeats itself. Yeah, before teams get good again, I guess. Um, but I just want to know: all of these people are going to look Hank Zetterberg in the eye and tell him that he was wrong for backing Larkin. You can't do that. You can't, can't. do that. You, uh, you not to Z. You don't Henrik do that, Zetterberg's, Dan. Henrik Zetterberg's never done anything bad in his life, ever. No. Not not once. Nope. Not once. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, so those people, I guess, could have fuel of the fire. Oh, look, Larkin doesn't play. And we went in Tampa for the first time in 50 years. And the offense was fine. Okay. Sure. Correlation and not causation are not the same thing, folks. And it, it's one game. Now, if yeah. it was... If it was one game in a meaningless rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, if mm-hmm. they did this, if this were in the middle of the year and then they were like that eight and nine and then Larkin got hurt and like was out for like 15 games and they went 15 and 0. Mm-hmm. Or that's a huge example. He was out. Whoa, my mic fell. Um, <laughs> He's getting really angry. He was out for like ten games, and they won ten, or they were nine and, or they were eight and two, and the offense was like scoring like six goals a game. I, that's a lot of. If they looked significantly better with him off the ice than they did with him on the ice, then I would be like, maybe Larkin is the problem. We're not at that point. <laughs> no. we, we're not at that point, and the Red Wings have shown that every fifth game they can pull something out of their rear end. Mm-hmm. And beat a good team, mm-hmm. and I guess you have to beat Tampa in Tampa at some point in regulation. And yeah, odds are just up at this point, right? We've reached right. the end of the of the odds. So the stars aligning. I don't know, um, but that's what they did, and they won. And this weird Larkin slander is coming up, and Larkin. If he continued to play, I saw a stat, too, that only four players since, I think, Eiserman retired had averaged a point per game. Hmm. And it was Dotsuk, Zetterberg, 
Lidstrom. And it was either Franzen or Hosa. Mm. I think it might have been Hosa. Um, so, pretty Those significant. Those aren't small names. Pretty significant names there, mm-hmm. ma'am. Um, so, we're going to cut this Larkin slander right now. Um, I will... Chris, you can... You can listen to this, even though you're not going to listen to this. But I'm, I'll pump up. If Verana scores a goal a game from here on out, okay, fine. Best offensive player, whatever. I'll give it to you. I'm still making the argument that this offense runs through Dylan Larkin, and if he's not a part of it, there's going to be some bad things. Because it's like I would like to see what the film or the game plan would be on – the next Red Wings game. It's like, oh, Verana is the only part of their offense? Oh, we're just going to put our biggest line on on him and see mm-hmm. how that... And I'd like to see how many goals we score after that. And if he scores goals, then I'm going to be like, okay, maybe Jacob Verana is the next Mike Bossy. I don't, I don't know. Um, but stupid. And I don't, I don't really know what to talk about. I, I feel like I've said this six times tonight. I don't really know what to talk about with these teams right now. Mm-hmm. But it's not hopelessness. It's a weird, right, it's a weird limbo where we're not, like, depressed, but we're not ecstatic. And also most of their seasons are coming to an end and or over. So we're like... A lot of things just don't entirely make sense with them. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here. Yep. They don't make sense. Yep. And how the Red Wings won in Tampa Bay tonight, that doesn't make sense. How is Verana scoring, like, in 58% of the games that he plays in? Don't know. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But good night, bro. Just uh, a lot of stuff. It don't make no sense. But, hey, when has Detroit sports ever made sense? Ever. Noelle, you said you had a question yeah. for me before we... I did, but we're almost at an hour, and I feel like this discussion would take a little bit longer, so I might wait until next week. Are you sure? Yeah. Are we going to sure. tease? We're going to tease for next week's Well, episode? I want to talk about free agency. Okay. Yeah, maybe So we that'll should. be our tease. I want to talk about things that we might do for free agency. I have an idea, and I'm gonna maybe once we bounce off this, I'm gonna I'm gonna blurt it out. So if you're Perfect. eagerly at the edge of your seat, <laughs> listeners, wait until of next the week. CNC replay, you'll have to wait. Sorry Cause, about that, folks. Because I looked at the list too, and I think we're thinking of the same player. Mm-hmm. We probably yes. are. Yeah, I'm, but we'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the CNC replay. We really appreciate you all. Um, fun fact, my mom asked me, like, she's like, I always want to know, like, what your stats are, but I don't even know what questions to ask. So I just, like, pulled up our RSS feed and, like, kind of went through it with her. And she's like, this is so cool. You have <laughs> the people that listen in Australia. I was like, weirdly enough, yes. We do? Um, what? <laughs> have you ever looked at the map? I guess not. I have to log in sometime. It's a fun thing. It. We have Europe spurts. There's a couple in the Middle East. There's people in Europe, in Australia. There's a weird amount of Red Wings fans in Australia. I did learn that from twitter yes i did know that so they're there who knows if they still listen but they're on the map um anyways she's very excited for us and thank you all for listening again we appreciate you follow us on socials uh give us a follow on our 
privates if you want, or our private accounts if you want to. Private. Shut up. (laughs) Uh, When we will see you next week. Deuces. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.